for listening to FYI Stillwater, where you will hear information about your local government you didn't know you need to know straight from the source. Be sure to check out other news and information from the City of Stillwater at stillwater.org or find us on Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question for City Hall, email news at stillwater.org and in the next podcast, we'll answer a few of them. FYI Stillwater is available on our website at stillwater.org, Spotify, and just about anywhere else you enjoy your podcast. Hi, I'm your host, Sherry Fletcher, Director of Marketing and Civic Engagement. Today, my co-host is Megan Perdue, uh, the Communications Assistant uh, in our department. So what are we talking about today, Megan? Well, today's guest is Electric Utility Director Lauren Smith. We're going to be talking a little bit about what his department does and how the city relies on community-owned electric utility. So let's welcome our guest, Lauren Smith. Good morning. How are you doing? I'm doing excellent. How are you? Good. Have you ever done a podcast before? I have not, but I have done radio. Yeah, same thing. Same thing. Uh, Well, we like to start with a lightning round, and we're going to ask you some random but revealing questions. Uh, Are you ready? I am ready. All right, so Lauren, have you seen anything lately that made you smile? Yes, absolutely. Um, earlier this week, we had severe thunderstorms that came through, and throughout all of those thunderstorms, we only had three outages overnight. So that makes the electric like utility three record. houses? Three or? houses. So typically in a day, we will see 5, 10, 15 outages a day, but through the, the six or eight hours of severe thunderstorms, we had three houses that were out. Wow, what phenomenal! Great. What do you attribute that to? Uh, luck. Luck. <laughs> uh, I have no idea. Uh, it was just it's it, that is so rare, uh, wow. and everybody was just kind of stunned because we were, we were waiting for, for big power outages. Yeah, absolutely, we were expect we were anticipating high winds, high winds lots of rain, lightning. Yeah, so. yeah, that's really great to hear. Yeah, so wow. that made me smile. No doubt. Yeah. Good. All right, you ready for the next one? Absolutely. If you had one meal that you could eat every day for the rest of your life, what would it be? Yeah, I think that'd have to be chicken fried steak with a little bit of French fries dipped in gravy. I could probably live on that. Yeah. You could live on that? Yeah. <laughs> wow. Yeah. Now, how often do you have that? Uh, very rarely. Oh, uh, so that's like a, yeah. like a special That is, meal. yeah, that's like way out there. Uh, bust the diet. Yeah, bust yeah. the diet. Uh, you know, but yeah. No. So who has the best? Uh, I tell you, um, um, Del Rancho actually, oh, yeah? I think, has the best, but they never can seem to stay in Stillwater, and I don't know yeah. why. Hmm. So, so uh, what? So what makes a great chicken uh, fried steak? You know, big, very tender. Um, you know, like great flavor. Deeply battered or yeah, thin deep, yeah. batter. I think deeply battered. Yeah. yeah. Lots of gravy. Lots of gravy. Yeah. So <laughs> wow. that's just the wow. You know, do once in a while, kind of type of a thing. So is this like a breakfast meal for you, or this is dinner? This could be anything. Anything. It, see, it could go After, anytime. Breakfast, lunch, late night dinner. You know. Wow. So it, it's it doesn't have a time frame on it. <laughs> yeah. All right. So here's a little bit of an odd one. Here's your last one. All right. If you could be any season of the year, what would it be? Yeah, you know, I would. I, it, I'm torn. I would say fall and spring. I, I like the cool weather of the fall. It kind of makes you know, it kind of smells like football out. You know, you kind of getting that uh, holiday season, and then the spring where the uh, everything's kind of warming up and blooming up. But uh, I'm not such a fan of summer because I'm I don't like the heat this right. much. Uh, oh, I'm all for the summer. Yeah, I am too. Yeah. I like the hot. Yep. Yeah. yeah. And Jennifer, she is for the heat all day long, and I'm like, Ugh, I just can't stand it. So. Uh. My daughter's moving to Tempe from New York to Tempe. So she was like, you know, 12 feet of snow. Now it's going to be like really, really hot. 
So I'm not quite sure how she's going to handle the. That'll be nice. Yeah. We had a conference in Phoenix, Arizona in June uh, one year, and it was so incredibly hot. It was like yeah. 115 degrees, and the right. heat was radiating. We were in the middle of the city in the concrete. The heat was radiating up off the right. pavement, and it was like you were in an oven, and yeah. you just couldn't escape the, oh, it's dry, and uh, it's yeah. hot. So. I kind of like that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. 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 I'm a weirdo. I like sweating. I, I do yeah. too. <laughs> but not Lauren. It's a good thing yeah. you provide the electric. Right? Yeah. Yeah. Well, let's get into our conversation. So um, we usually start this podcast off with how, what was your career path to become the electric director? How, now you're a Stillwater guy. Absolutely. Yeah. Born and raised. Born and raised Stillwater. My dad, uh, born and raised family, born and raised generations and generations. Yeah. Your people. grandfather, mm-hmm. yep, grandfather was the fire was, department. He was a fire fireman. Chief? Yep. My dad was the fire chief. He oh. was a fireman. And oh, then okay. his dad was the Payne County Sheriff. Not not the sheriff, but a deputy sheriff. Mm-hmm. And so uh, a lot of public service in our family. Long and, roots. Yeah, you got roots. Yeah, yeah. So, um, you know, I've been with this uh, electric department for 34 years. Started right out of high school. Uh, honestly, didn't have an idea what I was going to do. I, right. I, I did tell my parents I was going to work here for two years and I was going to California and I was never coming back absolutely that obviously didn't happen so uh, uh, you know I really got interested I started out at Boomer Lake Station uh, and uh, in about the early 90s we started doing a renovation project that I really got heavily involved with and I, I got heavily involved in electronics there's so many neat things uh, when you run a power plant uh, it's a very diverse field of physics, uh, mechanical engineering, electrical engineering, electronics engineering. So there was just tons of opportunity for someone like me that likes to create uh, and solve problems to just dive into. So that's the, the path I yeah, that path is, I went on. So. I can see that happening. Yeah. So you said that you, um, you know, helped, you did a renovation at Boomer Lake Station, but you also had a hand in the Energy Center. Can you tell us what the Energy Center is and why we should be excited about it? Absolutely. So uh, really, the, the, the short story is in 2012, we found ourselves at a crossroads. Boomer Lake Station was reaching its end of life. We, um, we knew we had to make a decision on whether to rebuild Boomer Lake Station, uh, build a new state-of-the-art generation facility. Because you get, really were kind of landlocked at Boomer or, Lake, yeah, right? Or get out of the generation business altogether. We were landlocked, but we were looking at all options. Uh, we actually purchased some property across the street. You know, we... we, we we were kind of jumping on uh, property as we could because yeah. we thought we, we could expand. We, we didn't want to be limited. And so um, we did a feasibility study, and that feasibility study revealed that the energy markets of the future would be very uh, beneficial to have a quick start natural gas fire plant, uh, power plant like uh, the Stillwater Energy Center is. And so um, we started down the path of uh, designing, you know, hiring mm-hmm. an engineering firm, designing, building, and uh, commissioning uh, really a modern marvel for the for Oklahoma and this uh, region so so what's the benefit because I mean I, I hear you know like we're we we generate power but that power doesn't really turn the lights on in my home is that correct uh, well actually most of the generation uh, output of the generators is is consumed in Stillwater oh it so is so we very rarely uh ship power out of the city so where our power plant is located it's right in the middle of our uh, trend our 69,000 volt transmission system which is a loop around the city so really we're just offsetting load that we would be purchasing that we would be consuming from mm-hmm. Grand River Dam Authority 
However, Grand River Dam Authority owns the generation output of the plant. So, okay. So partnership. Uh, yeah, partnership. And so, through through them owning the the capacity in the plant, they pay us a, a capacity payment that then uh, offsets the debt that uh, that we occurred when we released revenue bonds to purchase the plant. And so, for the general public, the reason we want to do that because it keeps our bills so. Uh, well, uh, that's a very great question. It, it, it can have that effect in the sense that the, the capacity payment uh, is more than the debt that we're paying, right? Mm -hmm. And so over time, and this is what happened at Boomer Lake Station, over time when that debt is paid off, uh -huh. uh, there'll still be a capacity payment of about $4.5 million a year that will flow into the, to the SUA and then uh, to the needs of the community. Um, so the it's kind of like you pay off your car, but then you still mm -hmm. get to drive it for 10 years, so you get all that benefit, right. except someone's giving you a $4.5 million check every year. To, That'd be nice. So that's really like long-range thinking. Long-term. Yeah. And so with Boomer Lake Station, uh, we did a dinner renovation in the early 90s, and uh, that plant, and it was very, very rarely was it called on because of its nature, but we had to maintain it. And the, the credit that we got on that equaled about $2.5 million a year. So over the life of that extension, which was 20 years, we saved our rate payers over $50 million in, mm -hmm. in, um, in rates. Yeah, and it's kind of a hard con concept because you're not paying it out, so you don't, you don't feel the, the, you know, you're not paying that, that check. But it really does have a huge impact on huge. all of the, the rate huge. payers. Well, let's, let's shift into, you know, talking about what is public power and why, why is that a benefit? Yeah, it's, it's awesome. Public power is community-owned power, right? So, so our Stillwater owns Stillwater, the le our electric yes, system. Absolutely. And so our, our primary function in life is to generate excess revenues that we can then uh, transfer to the general fund, which can be used for uh, public s services like police, fire, st uh, street lights, uh, uh, ball field lights, uh, all those great things mm -hmm. to help uh, the community. Uh, most communities that you see that do not own their own public power, uh, they only rely on sales tax, mm -hmm. and so they suffer. They suffer yeah. greatly in this and world of e-commerce. E yeah. it, it really is having an effect, but you'll see the, you'll see the communities that have their own uh, publicly owned uh, utility that uh, they offset that. They can yeah. offset that and kind of ride the, the, the rough spots out. So Because in Stillwater, we don't have to purchase the electric at the ball fields. Right. So in these other communities, they would have to pay for the electricity so it's just added uh, out of their general fund. So, I mean, they end up having to pay a lot more out. You bet. Another, another thing I didn't mention was all city buildings, right? We have a right. lot of city buildings that, that, like, you know, we do not yeah. uh, charge for. So um, the thing that I uh, had seen somewhere on when the uh, council or the SUA agendas was the electric car charging. Yes. What, what are we doing there, Lauren? Uh, that, that's, a, that's a very great topic because the wave of the future – uh, and the wave is coming. It's going to be slow to come to Oklahoma, but it's, it's happening around us is electric vehicles, the electrification of vehicles. And, and when I say vehicles, I mean all vehicles. And mm -hmm. we're talking about uh, uh, tractor trailers, semi-trucks, uh, uh, utility vehicles, um, cars. So, so uh, there is grant money that was available from ODEQ uh, for a settlement they got from the VW um, Corporation. Uh, 
that they're using to build out electric vehicle charging infrastructure in the state. You have to build the infrastructure before these cars can travel long range. Most of them now can travel 200 to 250 miles without mm -hmm. being recharged. And so that's allowing people to get farther and farther down the road. Uh, what we are uh, looking at is uh, in, in, at the next meeting, we're going to discuss uh, uh, leasing parking spaces for a uh, commercial vendor of EV charging stations to put in public chargers uh, in Stillwater wow. at, at different places. And so uh, it's, it's, uh, it's very neat. It's, it's, it's so staff good. are really figuring out the best way to bring these chargers to town. Absolutely. Yeah, yeah. We want to promote EV. As an electric utility, we yeah. want to sell electricity. So, right. So we're, we're happy to see them come. So the city would own the charger uh, stations? No, uh, this third-party commercial vendor would own oh, them. Okay. We w they would just be an electric customer to us. Oh, okay, uh, however, the yeah. city would have to lease uh, the parking spaces to them for 15 oh. years or so yeah. uh, to, to position them. I rented an electric car once and had the, the charger where you could plug in mm -hmm. just anywhere, but I've not done the uh, drive a long distance and, and charge it, you know, wherever. So mm -hmm. it is the wave of the future. And it there's is. probably more than you, you know. You just don't recognize them because they, right. they don't look like any different than another uh, any other uh, small sedan and such. Right. Yeah, the only ones I can spot are the Teslas. Yeah. yeah. Those With seem to be popping team. up more mm -hmm. often. So the other thing that I know you guys are working on is um, is that automatic automatic meter reading. Uh, obviously, yep. I don't know technical what we're talking about, but it's it's where they automate the meter uh, reading and it comes back to the city and it's like smart meters, right? Yep, absolutely. Okay. It's called advanced meter infrastructure, and it is uh, smart meters. Smart meters that can allow for two-way communication. That means that they can communicate the readings to us, and we can communicate with the meters. Um, th this will be a great benefit uh, to the community, to our customers. Uh, one of the greatest benefits is currently uh, when we have an outage, uh, you, you call uh, our dispatch center, and we manually log in your address to our outage management system, which then predicts where the problem is. Uh, now, when your power goes out, we'll know your power's out before you can even call us to tell us your power's out, and we'll be dispatching crews a lot quicker. And so other things, uh, customer portal, customers mm -hmm. will be able to uh, log into a website, see their energy usage daily, uh, mm -hmm. every 15 minutes. Uh, we'll be able to uh, s truly see the uh, who contributes to the peak loading uh, right. for, for uh, rate design. Um, just a lot of great benefits uh, to this time. Not to mention, uh, we won't have to roll trucks to right. turn you. Uh, we're a transient community with the college, so every spring and fall and summer, we're turning on and turning off a lot of customers. We're rolling trucks out there to pull meters and such. Now, uh, this is done with the flip of the switch at customer service on a computer, and you know that saves money, time, and effort all across. Wow. That will be a game changer. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, are there other cities doing this? Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, AMI is the is is again the wave of the future. Everybody's pushing to AMI because of all the data that we can get to better manage our systems. One thing, uh, another a great thing about it is currently, uh, once you leave the substation area, we can't see what the voltage is uh, on down the line. Uh, so unless we put a, a hang a, a, a meter down there. 
now we'll be able to see voltage all the way down the line and we'll be able to tell your power quality at the very end of the line and if it's lagging we can we can make improvements wow. to better that so that's awesome a lot of good stuff um so you talked about um reporting that they wouldn't have to you'll know that there's a power outage before they do so what do they do right now if uh if there's a power outage uh, right now uh they call 372-3292 and that puts them into our interactive voice recording system and they're, they're prompted to either automatically uh it, the the ivr will know uh, the phone number and uh -huh. attribute that to your account number and or you can press uh, i think it's six and get directly to an operator at the plant right and that operator will will log your data in manually if you're having trouble mm -hmm. but there's also a website uh, but there's also a website yeah and we uh, uh if you ever want to see outages or if you your lights out and you want to go on www.stillwater.org report a power outage uh, you can see the map that shows uh, what is out and if you're in that area and it'll also show you what trucks are being dispatched and and whatnot there you can also report your outage via um, your computer right and that's been really popular so um, because like if your power goes out at two in the morning you don't need to go onto social media to say, hey, is your power out too? You can go and look at it. Uh, hopefully your, all your electronics are charged. But, yeah, uh, yeah. And, I, and I will add that if you call and you can't get through, uh, you, you, you get jumbled up in the IVR, you cannot uh, get through, uh, don't panic. Uh, we're most likely know that you're without yeah. power. And uh, I always like to say that if you're without power, there is so much going on behind the scenes you can imagine. We're scrambling yeah. in every direction to try to get your power back on as fast as we can. Because we actually have really good uh, ratings compared to other communities. Absolutely. We, we, we consistently win awards for being 99.9% .9 reliable, uh, and we take that very seriously. And we, we, we have designed our system. We have a very robust system uh, with three different feeds into the city and the system. And so we work very hard to try to do that. But we're not always successful. We, we can't stop ra uh, lightning. We can't mm -hmm. stop vehicles running into poles. We can't right. stop uh, failures of equipment, uh, you know, and, and such. So, uh, But even with all of that, we still have, like, a great rating. Right, right. Because uh, And it's another benefit of a, a public power community is local control and local response, right? right. So we're all from here. Everybody's... Uh, we have staff taking we, care of us. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So we're, we're sending people from everywhere. And that was another great benefit. I don't mean to go back to public That's power, but topic. local control. Because yeah. uh, IOUs, uh, they serve stockholders, and they, they are regulated... What's an IOU? Uh, I'm sorry. Uh, mm -hmm. Investor-owned utilities, uh -huh. uh, such as OG&E, PSO, mm -hmm. uh, they are... Uh, they're there to make money. They're there to make money. They, they pay stockholders around the, around the, the country. Uh, we like to say that public power communities support Main Street, not mm -hmm. Wall Street, because right. that's where the money goes. That's where our excess revenues go. But it also goes back to local control. Uh, if, if, if you need to call the electric department, you can get us in about one ring. You can call my phone or somebody else. Uh, but the, the trustees of the SUA, which also are the counselors of the city, uh, they make the decisions based on local mm -hmm. uh, local input from right. customers and, and themselves. And so it's, it's a really great benefit. Because the counselors actually recently decided not to raise rates 
because they asked staff, do we need to do this right now? Staff said, nope, we're in good shape. So the rates didn't go up. So you wouldn't get that with, uh, with unless you were locally owned. Right. Public power. If you were IOU, they'd be battling the corporation commission, trying to, you know, do all that. So it's a different deal. Well, we've covered a lot of material today. Did you learn anything, Megan? A whole lot. <laughs> yeah, good stuff. Well, uh, Lauren, uh, thank you so much for being our guest. And, and if people want to know more about electric utility or reporting outages, they can go to our website, stillwater.org, and learn so much more. We've had Lauren here for a while, but let's move into the mailbox. Uh, the city receives questions in a lot of different ways, including email, social media, you know, even phone calls. So this question is from Samantha on Facebook. In light of some of the heavy uh, storms Stillwater's been experiencing this season, how can she ensure that rescue workers can find her if she's uh, like hunkered down in a storm cellar or something? So how would we know she was in there? All right, well, that's a good question, Samantha. If you go online to stillwater.org shelter, you can actually register your safe area in the event of a tornado or a heavy storm. Residents can register safe rooms, below-ground shelters, basements, or really any area of your house in order to provide rescue personnel with details on your location in the event of a disaster. So whenever you go to that, it's a, it's a map. And I believe you, you can kind of drop a pin showing exactly where you are. Yes. So you put in your information. And if somebody uh, later says, oh, we've not seen Samantha, then they'll go, the, um, the emergency management people will go and see if it's registered. And then they'll go do a house check on the person. So yes, it's honestly a really nice security blanket to have. It really is. I've got mine uh, done, but I'm afraid sometimes I have snakes in the storm shelter so it's like is it the tornado or the snake that's going to bother me more so I don't know okay well let's go to the next question Uh, this is from Tyler also on Facebook speaking of waste he wrote uh, do you guys still pick up bundled limbs outside on the curbside with trash I set some out last week and it didn't get picked up maybe I didn't meet a requirement or something so how does someone get their um limb bundles picked up Megan well actually our first collection day of each month is reserved for glass recycled tote pickup oh that could have been a problem yes but the following collection days for the rest of the month we pick up yard waste so what we figured out talking to Tyler was that he actually dropped off his limbs between May 1 and May 7th so so you set him out curbside yes so basically he um missed his last week of the month and he needed to set them out the following week in order for them to be picked up well that is a um that's a good tip it's hard to remember uh but so it's glass recycling the first uh week of the month yes all right well thank you megan pardue for being uh, my co-host today thank you tune in for our next podcast